Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I'm speaking to you today from Oakland, California. Hi, this is Stephen G. Fullwood. I'm the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project, and I am coming to you from Harlem. It's a nice sunny day. It's supposed to get up to 63 degrees, and I shall be out wilding. I will be wilding today. (laughs) (laughs) This is Seth Rodney. I'm in the wilds of Newburgh. Um, That's where I'm coming from today, um, where I live, uh, in the Hudson River Valley. I am the opinions editor at Hyperallergic. And um, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself this sunny day besides this podcast, uh, but um, it, hopefully it will be as interesting as Stephen's day. <laughs> uh, this is to remind our listeners that I practice a form of uh, I. <laughs> sorry about that. That I, I alone. The rest of us. Uh, sorry, we'll, just, we'll just probably, we'll just, probably, we'll just leave, we'll leave that in. We'll leave that in. Um, so this is to remind our listeners that we practice, we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. Um, actually, the reason that little mistake happened is because I, I wanted to, they, uh, felt bad for not saying in my intro that I was in Oakland, California, the holiest place in America. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and I was out walking around in the neighborhood. We're singing in an Airbnb. And I mean, it's very clear walking around Oakland that racism has just been eliminated here <laughs> because of the number oh, of BLM posters. All because of the BLM posters that are here. And, you know, and, and there's, and the amount of gentrification that they've accomplished in this area. Mm. Like it's just, they've eliminated poverty. So in these, you know, multi, multi million dollar homes in which all black (laughs) lives matter. So anyway, uh, (laughs) so it's just, you know, my hypocrisy meter was like just off the charts. It like cracked my skull yesterday. So, um, break. Uh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, so that's what was going on as I was trying to introduce the podcast. Anyway, that really doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about today. So, <laughs> um, so uh, what we're talking about today is uh, liberation versus emancipation, and a little setup for this. What this came out of was um, I had I got a little bit prickly when Stephen corrected me on the podcast for my use of of language, and my initial response, um, you know, probably just an emotional one, uh, was to be slightly defensive about that because I do sometimes think this is actually in, in importantly should not have been directed at Stephen because Stephen doesn't really do that in my experience. Uh, with him, hmm. but uh, I do sometimes feel like people make fine distinctions in order to to just be unnecessarily refined and aristocratic mm-hmm. about their their position in the world. It's, it's uh, about it's Stephen just about one upping you, really. I mean, that's what people yeah, do with me. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, not what Stephen was doing, mm-hmm. and so you know, and I, uh, you know, obviously known Stephen long enough and had enough of a relationship to catch my own emotional response to that. But as a result of that, um, you know, I, it's a really important distinction, I think, you know, and, and so, uh, or, and we all basically agreed with that. So we're talking about that today. So Stephen, do you want to, you want to sort of take us into this, this, uh, distinction and, you know, why it's important and, you know, um, why it's worth, uh, our talking about. I appreciate you setting it up because I was like, what did I say again? <laughs> That was very helpful. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't say, Stephen, set that up. I was like, yeah, listen, I've done thousands of <laughs> talks. Before. Like I said something about something. No, so this, 
in all seriousness, I um, started taking notes about why I felt the way I felt. And then, of course, and I went to the Internet and I started looking at definitions and so forth. And I think um, I wanted to start out with the idea of agency mm. and and how I've been reading it through primarily through African and African diasporic literature mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of non nonfiction, but fictional um, accounts of the transatlantic slave trade. And I decided to move beyond those spaces and just look at some d- definitions, right? So mm-hmm. for our audience, emancipation uh, is the fact or process of being set free from legal, social, or political restrictions, and then they put liberation. Uh, and then liberation is the act of setting someone free from imprisonment, slavery, or oppression, release. So f- for me, the distinction in where I was going with liberation versus emancipation was this idea that one can liberate oneself or someone else, I guess, but that mm-hmm. I was thinking about it in terms of uh, what I call the Freedom Project in the U.S. around specifically related to African-American people. And this idea that there may have been a legal emancipation, but there were always people liberating themselves from the system. Mm. From the moment boats were arrived here, there were people running. There were people always running, doing whatever they could to be free. And there's a wonderful book. Set, hmm? Just, uh, just Stephen, a quick question. One, one, quick mm-hmm. question, Stephen. When sure. you say people liberating themselves from the system, what system do you mean? Oh, um, slavery, American slavery. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. And so prior to any robust um, abolition movement, even though there were always um, parts of it around, I, th- I was thinking about how people, people liberate themselves from situations in Mexico and South America and other places. And they're constantly looking for and migrating to better what they think might be better spaces, right? And so... I only bring that up because I didn't want my argument to solely settle on people of African descent because I happen to be one and I focus on that work as a part of my work. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot about, so I went personal with it very briefly and then I'll, um, then I'll just turn it over. I'll turn it over to you guys then. And that <laughs> is, I, I asked myself, did I liberate myself from the Schomburg Center or did I emancipate myself? And I said, mm-hmm. well, what I did was I left a nine to five job. I liberated myself from this notion of a nine to five not even a notion, it was the truth of the matter. And mm-hmm. that something about that really was very liberating. And that I found myself excited and terrified to explore the ideas of I could work for myself mm-hmm. and do things for myself, which meant that I had a, a lot of the management was put on me. So, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of making sure I got things done, setting up appointments, setting up gigs, all of that. Mm-hmm. But that once I became subtle with that to some degree, more recently, and I think I might have said this off camera, or maybe even on, um, on camera, <laughs> on the um, on the podcast that I recently decided that this is the place where I'm going to live and die, New York City. Mm, and, right. and that once I've made that declaration, everything, mm. not everything, but a few things fell into place for me. Mm. I was able to breathe in a way that I hadn't breathe, been breathing before because everything was sort of in this liminal space of where I wanted to go to feel something that I wanted to feel, right? Mm. I wanted to feel home. Mm. Mm. You know, I never felt like I was home anywhere after I left Ohio. And even there, I wasn't feeling home. So this, yeah. I didn't emancipate myself, emancipate myself from Ohio in my mind. <laughs> I liberated myself from that situation. Mm. I chose differently. And I chose yeah. out of a need to fill in parts of my body. And I've only been living in either my head or my chest or my dick. But I wanted more of my space more my house right. um, occupied. 
And this was the place, this is the place for me to do it. So I led you all around somewhere, but the distinction. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm actually. But, but I wanted to go personal with it, but I also wanted to acknowledge that for some people, they use this, those words interchangeably. But I think a lot about agency right. and someone doing something versus something that a system does, right? Or a law decrees. So that's what I was thinking. So I think that's where the crux right. of the matter is. Sorry, Travis, if I'm jumping ahead of you a little bit. No, no, you're not at all. Um, no. That's the crux of the matter for me, Stephen, is that when, you t when we talk about emancipation, and I think the typical place where we, and by we I mean U.S. Americans, get that term from is the Emancipation Proclamation. So it's the decree the, the 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 decree that comes with the force of the of state power that says all y'all black people y'all are now free essentially um mm -hmm. and what you're saying is that i think Stephen, is that there's a real difference in thinking in terms of personal agency when you decide to liberate yourself right before the doc before that proclamation gets made or or uh or, or promulgated in fact, mm -hmm. I think what you, I mean, going further, I think what you're saying is that there are lots of ways and lots of systems from which we can Absolutely. liberate ourselves. And we don't precisely by making that choice wait on some decree or proclamation. In fact, mm -hmm. what we're doing, and this is the sort of work I think a lot of activists who are interested in, um, the, 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 in liberation theology, Mm -hmm. And in the sort of global uh, movements towards really um, just recognizing the humanity in everyone, what mm -hmm. they do, what what is at the core of their work, I think, is this recognition that liberation actually does begin internally. It begins. There is some sort of mechanism which mm -hmm. one trips or flips oneself to begin to understand that the systems that one operates in aren't, can't, or shouldn't completely define us. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I am, uh, I am entirely on board with that as a useful distinction. However, they're pretty interdependent and co and it's complicated, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So if you, it is, it's much, much more difficult to, Maybe I don't want to say much, much more. It, it is definitely, it is more difficult to liberate oneself when you are not emancipated because the force, we are, because we're social animals. And so the force of our, of our self-assessment and our communal identity is shaped by the societies that we're embedded in. And so, of course, like someone like Frederick Douglass or some giant of a human, you know, Harriet Tubman or something like that, of course, they can like just sort of say, no, all of this is made out of air, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm not going to breathe that air. And so I'm going to do this other thing. But you're talking about the 1% of the 1% of the 1% of the population that can actually accomplish something like that. Right. And so, it, it, in fact, what we have to do as responsible humans is do our best to create societies in which more people have access to that ability to sort of self-define in whatever way 
uh, is meaningful to them because of the combination of, you know, genetics and parents and social circumstances and all the rest of that. Um, and I think as a country, so to bring it back to maybe something that's a little bit more pointed, mm-hmm. um, we are terribly ill-equipped to prepare our uh, ourselves for a liberative struggle as opposed to an emancipatory one uh, because mm-hmm. we are such a material adolescent culture. And in fact, much of what I think is tearing the country apart right now is that people have conflated the two. Um, mm. And that they are using the tools to fight emancipation to to agitate for liberation, uh, mm. and they are in, and the and these tools at a certain stage of the game are largely incompatible. So can can you say more about that because I'm not sure I'm following you. Like, what tools are we talking about? So so in fact, mm. blacks were emancipated in this country. But blacks were not liberated right. in this country, right. mm-hmm. and and that liberative project is a communal project that that now has to be something that the culture does mm. together. It can't be. I mean, the emancipation thing. Like, I'm not. I mean, there were lots. Of, I mean, how many uh, rebellions of African Americans were there in the history of the country? Like hundreds, thousands. I mean, mm-hmm. just some huge number. They were involved in their emancipation. Always from the beginning. Uh, this is another. I mean, it's kind of, it's a different avenue to go with the conversation, but it's of course erroneous to think of these these things separately. No, absolutely. Right? I mean, you, yeah. I mean, these you know, Indians were agitating for their emancipation. The British let them. You know what I mean? Like this is happening. No one takes the yoke easily. Right. No. Right. That's just that's a bullshit story that people on top tell themselves to feel better about their privilege. So uh so what I'm saying though is that what what needs to happen in this country now in the 20th and 21st century mm-hmm. is is more of, of a liberative movement which is a way to transcend and elevate our experience of being human. And we are not doing that, right? I mean what what, mm-hmm. what we're doing is we're we're rehashing in in ineffective ways the same things that were done in, i mean so i'm trapping myself in a, in a in to say something i don't actually believe because clearly there was a liberative part of of the emancipa- of the of the civil rights movement in the, the, yeah. in the 50s and 60s i mean it's in this, it's inseparable from it so even me too and so there so i want to address something you said earlier about uh, the difference between say someone like a Frederick Douglass and a Harry Tubman versus the regular person, the liberatory ideas and liberatory expressions, it happen all the time. Not maybe not at that particular level. Yeah. So someone might hang up, for example, a quilt that tells other folks we're going to be running tonight. Right? Let's say fifty mm. people run mm-hmm. and forty three get away and seven don't. Right? These ideas are always implanted, I think, in people who are oppressed anywhere. Right? And I think mm-hmm. that they enacted differently. And that we, I remember hearing someone at a Kwanzaa celebration talk about how amazing Harry Tubman was. And I was like, yeah, she was amazing. Absolutely. And they attributed it to her. But what's in her is also in you. Mm. Right. Also in her. Also in she decided to act on it. Right. But I think that the idea of liberating oneself is a very powerful one because we're constantly seeing uh, challenges to a particular kind of oppressive system. So I see that happening all the time, and I see it with queer folk. I see it with so women. I, I see it. And go ahead. I, I think I'm, I'm. No, no. I just mm-hmm. I, 
No, no, no. I want I want to follow what you're saying. I I I want to uh, I want to tweak it a little bit, or maybe we can have a little bit of a back and forth around it. Like okay. saying that is precisely what someone that is committed to a liberative project would do, but it's just not true. So it mm. is true that, of course, the piece of Harriet Tubman is in all of us or whatever. Mm-hmm. But in reality, not really. You know what I mean? Like it's just that's one way to like, look at it. I mean, though. come on, we have because you're saying that I there mean, need no, to be no, a bunch I, of Harriet Tubmans to prove your point. Is that what you mean? And I'm thinking about no, something a little bit no, more esoteric, I guess, around. What no, no, I'm, I'm with her, you. You know, and then what informs us no, in this project? Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. And no, I'm saying, and you have to say it that way, especially if you're trying to motivate some kind of movement like that. It has to, it has to be done that way. The Buddha has to live inside of you. Jesus has to be inside of you. Harriet Tubman has to be inside of you. I get it. I say that in conversations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm saying right now, let's be real. It's not true. So, well, so, so, like, so let me come, come on. Let, let, me, let, me, let me, let me, let me, let me put my foot in this. Go right ahead. I, 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 I agree with Travis on this. I actually, and mm-hmm. I had this conversation just the other day with my boss, Harag Vartanian, who mm-hmm. started uh, hyperallergic with his partner Vikan like 11 years ago. Um, just you know, for the people in the audience who don't know who he is. Um, we were talking yeah. about arguing about something with some other art critics, la la la. And, uh, he said, you know, most people are cowards. And this is the thing that, and I think Travis, yes. I think Travis actually said this the other day too in a different context. He said, mm-hmm. you know, this is one of the, this is one of the powers of Donald Trump was he was able to bully people and show us that most people are actually cowards. Most people mm. will, when it, when push yes. comes to shove, will not rock the boat, will not say the really uncomfortable thing. Everybody else knows it's true. Like somebody did fart in the elevator, but everybody's just going to like pretend it didn't happen. Just like whistle a happy tune and it's wait to get out. So they can not want to be engaged in a fart conversation. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a kind of, right. But, but, you, but, but the truth, the truth of the matter is most people are not fucking Harriet Tubman. Most people do not have. That's right. They don't have I, the ovaries. I, they just don't. They, they, they. I didn't they, say they were. I said that there was something inside of them. Them. Right, and I want to, and I want, and I want to, mm-hmm. and I, and and to contradict that directly. Mm-hmm. You know, I love you, Stephen, but oh, come I on, think, I think, I think, <laughs> I think, I think the bigger thing that's in most people is fear. If there is a little part of yeah. the Tubman in them, okay, but there is a the bigger the bigger part of them is Kim Kardashian. Exactly. Like there there might be a, there exactly. might be a little here Harriet Tubman, and and exactly. I see that not actually like Kim Kardashian's. I have she's like much more complex issue with her. Yeah, she's much yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have zero issue with her. She's actually kind of navigated her wi- her life in a way that shows she's has serious mastery of the, far more mastery of this culture than I right. have. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. so yeah. I don't. So you know, I don't. It, it, that's fine. But yet, you know, I think it, there's a lot more of her it, it, at her best in people than there is someone like Harriet Tubman or uh, you know, or fill in the blank with any other. I, I, and and I went to I went to some of those religious figures intentionally uh-huh. because mm-hmm. because because I think th- that th- those are her cousins. You know, Harriet Tubman is much more closely uh, related Mm -hmm. spiritually, genetically to someone like a a Buddha figure, a Gautama figure, you know, uh, Shankara, something like that, than she is related to you or me. me. 
I mean, maybe not you, Steve. I'm not, I'm not to speak for you, but I'm saying uh-huh. then mm-hmm. then most of us than most. Oh, of I wasn't us. even. I took my question. I my, I was setting up my next joke, which is, you guys, <laughs> we're going to be serving pudding in the cafeteria at around two three thirty. You can come off your rocking chairs, <laughs> get in your water, and you can make yourself over there. Because clearly, both you and Seth. <laughs> Are headed for a retirement home? You're already in it. <laughs> you guys are retired. There's more Kim Kardashian. Anyone? I was like, okay, well, here's what I agree with. I agree with the idea mm. that our icons look like us, mm. however uncomfortable that is. Mm. You know, and mm. who has currency? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and so, mm-hmm. I mean, you'd have to know who a Harry Tubman is, right? In some cases, but what I'm really getting at is that that it's. I like what you're saying, Travis, about the the way I'm framing it, or that I have to say it this way, mm-hmm. right? Because you do. Well, I don't have to. I see it. Mm. I see it. And the fear thing that you were talking about, I was just thinking, okay, self um, another story about this idea of fear. I was afraid to leave my nine to five job forever because mm-hmm. I could not conceive mm-hmm. of doing anything else. Mm-hmm. And the other day, mm-hmm. um, the other day, I had taken a walk in the morning with a friend that lasted for like four hours. We had dinner, wow. I mean, excuse me, breakfast, and we're just walking, and my meeting is at one. I'm like, oh, I got to get back to Harlem, you know, I'm on Upper West Side. And, mm. and my friend goes, it's going to be really hard to get you back in any kind of office. And I was like, that's not even the issue. <laughs> mm. I'm going to be doing this until I'm dead, this independent mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. Now, I might collaborate with mm-hmm. an institution. I have no problem with that. But what I'd like to do is to continue exploring this thing, mm-hmm. this freedom project, the one mm-hmm. that I've been dreaming about forever. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what I want to get at is this idea of courage and how you develop mm-hmm. the possibilities of developing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Lots of people are cowards. Sure. Lots of people are coward. But I think that. And I don't want to mention, make it sound like it's a movie, TV movie of the week. It's like an extraordinary cir- circumstance means an extraordinary response. I want to say that I think that there are probably all these things going on all the time around us. But the media is giving us influencers in the wild. <laughs> we're getting an influence in the wild people is a Instagram account that you must go see because it is hilarious. It just shows people posing for Instagram or for Twitter or for um, TikTok, And it looks really out of context. It's almost like watching people just in the wild doing stuff. So, so what I'm saying is, is that we get more no, of that kind of thing than we get the more enduring stories of people who stood in line and voted in Georgia, you know, or we're not hearing all of that. We're hearing more about the fear. Yeah. So can I actually, so Mm -hmm. can I take what you had said and and bring it back to an earlier question that Seth Mm -hmm. had, which I think is a fair one when he asked for basically an example of what I was saying and that our culture doesn't really prepare us for the liberative project as opposed to the emancipation. I want to hear that too. Yeah. So Instagram and social media is a perfect example of that. For an emancipatory project, the thing that worked for Gandhi and the thing that worked uh, uh, in the civil rights in the United States was attention. Mm -hmm, So civil mm -hmm. rights reporting, we've talked about this on the podcast before, it was a huge part. Absolutely. uh, uh, And same thing with uh, the the anti-war movement around Vietnam. Oh, this is what war looks like, so you Mm -hmm. bring attention to it. In India, it was the same thing, like, okay, so this is what the suffering of these people looks like, and this is is what brought the British government to its knees. Mm-hmm. Attention works for an emancipatory project because, again, we are pro-social primates and most of us are not set up to be indifferent to the suffering of other human beings. Okay. We have to create these elaborate symbolic networks mm-hmm. in order to be comfortable with homeless people. I completely agree example. with that, yeah, the rationale. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so th- the issue is that now 
that attention has been made and it is nothing but attention and it is not the liberation piece of it, which is the much harder and much less tele, it's the much less telegenic aspect of what's going on. Like the uh, Buddha doesn't have an Instagram feed. He would not have an Instagram feed. You go sit on a fucking cushion in a room alone and struggle with your bullshit. Like that's not something that shows up on social media. It's not some. And so this is my, this is mm-hmm, my problem, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. with like this was my thing with Oakland and the BLM and all that kind of stuff. Attention doesn't, it's not enough. It's not enough for everyone to recognize everyone else's blackness, queerness, whatever. We actually have to recognize our common humanity. And that is a very, very difficult project that is not amenable to social media. I am 90% there and that 10% is what well, the 90% is this. The models in which we understand liberation are those older models. There may be newer models in the mix. That's the 10%. Yeah. yeah. Right. Where social yeah, media yeah, okay. could be really I, remarkable in terms of getting information out, but also people finding their voice through social media because just because represent, Representation has never meant more than representation. It's what you really do with it. And people continuously right. find that out over and over again. But I yearn for that, that those people, those men, women, non-gender conforming folks, trans folks, to find their voices through that medium. Because I feel like it's not solely the medium itself. And I really, really love that idea about this. It's the, um, the what do you call it, uh, images and representation it's not connected sometimes to a social justice movement or any kind of movement. It's a largely yeah. seen as look at me, Do you know, mm-hmm. but I like to think and I could just be wrong. I'm right there behind you guys getting pudding <laughs> at three o'clock at that. <laughs> I'm over there too going, nah, yeah, I know, I know, but I believe in humanity. You know, I, there's a part of me that's holding on very strongly to, with reason, with good reason, that people are going to find their liberatory practices through whatever medium. And they're not going, may not look like Gandhi or Harry Tubman or whomever, that there's going to be work. Mm-hmm. Do you know, and I think that in some cases, social media has brought people to conviction, you know, or have brought attention to mm-hmm. police mm-hmm. shootings and other kinds of things. So in those ways, right. it could be quite useful and people could find their voices through those um through those mediums, I think. So the the thing that right, I'm right. being most convinced by in hearing what you're saying, Stephen, is mm-hmm. the core idea that this liberatory thing happened for you over time. I still think you're mm-hmm. giving a little too short shrift to the idea that you are special. And we touched mm-hmm. on this in a, in a previous conversation. I'm going to get back to the overtime thing in a second, but... The ways in which you are special, the ways in which the part of you that is Harriet Tubman is bigger than the part of you that is Kim Kardashian, I think is special. And Mm -hmm. we talked about this in terms of the American dream many, many podcasts ago. Mm -hmm. And we talked about how all three of us are in some ways representative of precisely Mm -hmm. that ideology, that dream that we know actually mm-hmm. doesn't work for the majority of people yes. in this country. Right. Yes. This idea that right. you can just self-define, that you can just remake your life out of pull yourself up by your bootstrap, out of the rubble of 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 you know bad marriages, of alcoholism in the family, yeah, of yeah. of um racism in the family of um, you, you know, the, the, all the things that have colored the ways you, um, all three of us have been brought up in this world, that we still at some point 
made a conscious decision that we were going to be different than our circumstances. That's mm. special, right? And that, that, that's that dream that just is consistently deferred or denied by lots and lots of people who, who want to think that they're partaking of the American dream. So let me get back to this overtime thing. So what happened to mm -hmm. you, which you talked about being at the Schomburg, and if I remember correctly, 18 years, so you were there for almost two decades and you mm -hmm. figured out at some point during mm -hmm. that time that I, I'm not built for this shit. I need to get out. So the liberatory project for you happened over time. I can mm -hmm. buy that. I can okay. buy that y even though you've had the inklings of this. Right. Like maybe it was more than a decade before you before you made oh, the move, yeah, right? It was definitely yeah. Right, mm -hmm. more than that. So you ten years, you just kind of like trying to like figure it out, just trying to like get out of the mm -hmm. box. Okay, so I can buy that. So maybe for some people um, who are listening to us right now, they are in that slow motion liberatory process right now. Self-liberatory okay. self mm -hmm. process. It hasn't blossomed yet, okay. but it's coming, maybe. Yeah, I'm down yeah. with it. I, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, on, I'm completely on board with what Seth's uh, formula, uh, tweak with the time thing. Mm -hmm. Of course, why else? We wouldn't be doing this damn podcast. I mean, I mean, it's not like I don't enjoy, we enjoy talking to one another. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. you know, the idea is that you can nudge things in the world in a particular way mm -hmm. because it's been done before, mm -hmm. right? Because here we are having, you know, this conversation, uh, talking about the things that we're talking about, having read the things that we've read. Right. Uh, and so, of course, it's possible. But it's just, uh, and I don't, and I don't want to kick the idea of it being inside of us too much because that's the. It has to be that, otherwise we can't do anything. But the degree to which the mixture, I think, is just is far more diluted than. Then is this typically phrased for something like, you know, we all have this inside of us, that kind of thing. That was part one of two of today's conversation. We hope you'll join us next week for the conclusion. 